Feminists Without Mystique, a podcast where we process politics, sex, and the unrelenting fire hose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Each week we vent about the news, go deep on one important issue, call out terrible things happening below the top headlines in a segment called We See You, and then we end with something hopeful. And just a reminder, if you're enjoying us, to rate, review, subscribe, recommend us um, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening to podcasts. Um, and you can always email us, feministwithoutmystique at gmail.com. Um, and we're at FWM on Twitter and Feminist Without Mystique on Instagram. Um, so, yeah, find us there. Um, you know, it's funny. This is totally <laughs> – I was thinking – we almost might need to rebrand ourselves as like reacting to the news every week. <laughs> a feminist <laughs> podcast where we just talk about the news. <laughs> yeah. Or we need to talk about sex a lot more. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true. Just have like a whole month where that's all we talk about. And then we, we can... rebalance it. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> more balance, you know. More. <laughs> that was just like occurring to me recently. I thought, you know, it's like, ah, uh, you know. Just yeah. the way our, our lives have evolved and this podcast has evolved, we're just kind of like news responsive more. Um, yeah, that is, that is more the vibe. But uh, yeah, anyway, that's apropos of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> oh, well, you know, it's been another week of, feels like a lot, mm -hmm. a lot's been in the news, but we're going to, our main topic is going to be talking about trying to, wrap our heads around the grotesque comments of um beef star david show that he made in 2014 but have resurfaced um and the ensuing response or lack thereof from netflix and the other stars and to what degree are they like responsible or should they say something so we'll get into that um and we have a big chunky we see you that is like a bunch of we see you's wrapped into one because a lot of there's been thematically I don't know a lot of shootings of people who were in the wrong car at the wrong door and the wrong driveway like what the fuck so that's a big old we see you coming <laughs> coming down the pipe coming your way <laughs> coming your way um but we also wanted to uh but we'll start with just a couple of news items that have been breaking and one from yesterday was Fox News settling the Dominion lawsuit mm -hmm. um which I feel like a lot of us uh have mixed feelings about um it was a big big number I think it was the biggest settlement ever received for this type of case 787.5 million dollars that Fox is going to pay out to to Dominion um, with some admissions of uh, some of their wrongdoings and all of the deliberate misinformation that they were touting. Um, I don't know. I was bummed out just to see that there was a settlement because this new the process of discovery and, and going through with the, um, this case in, in court was really harming Fox. I mean, like their reputation yeah. was already like for people, it's one of those things you just know, like you either walks, watch Fox news and like you take it seriously or you think Fox news is not news and think it's like kind of a sham network. Um, and for the people who thought it was a sham network, everything that we've learned just furthers that 
belief that they, the people at the top, um, knew what they were doing, the type of deliberate misinformation, the catering to Trump, um, and selectively pick, picking certain pieces of information to highlight and then ignoring other things, but like overall just like fomenting, um, a lot of, uh, anger based on the big lie, which like Mm -hmm. they knew. Um, and so it's pretty harmful for a news network. Now I know they try to get around that by saying, well, these were just the top people. They were like a lot of people who work at Fox news are actual journalists and don't, didn't know about this stuff. Um, but I don't, you know, I just struggle. I struggle with that. Um, so I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I was a little disappointed, um, because like you're saying, it would have been nice for this to actually, you know, if we could get to opening statements, get to the actual, you know, meat of things so that Fox could potentially be held responsible for a thing and found guilty in a court of law, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, just some accountability would be nice. Um, I don't like the precedent it sets about or continues about, you know, buying your way out of this particular type of corruption. Um, there's another voting technology company, Smartmatic, um, that has also sued Fox for defamation. Um, they, they're not expecting a trial anytime soon. Um, but the um, Smartmatic says that Dominion's litigation exposed some of the misconduct and damage caused by Fox's disinformation campaign, um, and that Smartmatic will expose the rest. Um, so, and they say that um, they remain committed to clearing its name, holding Fox accountable for undermining democracy, etc., cetera, um, etc. Cetera. And these are, yeah. you know, Dominion is the company that manufactures election equipment. So after the 2020 election, you know? Hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's (laughs) funny, like, I feel like Dominion, I mean, they have a strong, well, defamation cases in the United States are very, very, very hard to win. There's a huge, there's a huge amount of leeway. And I think generally, rightfully so, given to, press freedom of press Mm -hmm. to be able to get it wrong and then correct themselves um so that's like a wide leeway that's you know has been interpreted in the constitution which i think is good generally but so like just looking at the definition of defamation which is the action of damaging the good reputation of someone slander or libel um it's a very there's such a high bar in terms of needing to prove like Basically, I forget if this is the legal term, but actual malice, like you had to knowingly know something was false and then still print it or, you know, the equivalent, like broadcast it on Fox. And this was shown over and over in text messages that they they knew what they were saying was false and yet they they did it anyway, um, which is I mean, it's very frustrating that there these people are allowed to still have a platform after, mm-hmm. you know, you would think that in a, maybe in a different era, they would have to have sort of shrunk away in shame because <laughs> their whole career is based on theoretically journalism. Um, but 
none of us actually knew that, like, think about, have we ever in our lives known any of the name of an actual technical company that is behind the voting infrastructure? Like, no. So it absolutely was so, such a good case to be brought, like, that, because no one ever, and now everyone knows, I mean, anyone who's in, in the know or plugged into politics and even people who aren't, who are just trying to read a little bit about it, know the name Dominion and know exactly what they are as a company. And it has, I think, probably harmed their reputation immensely. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Concur. 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 <laughs> I'm glad there are other cases going, um, you know, going for Fox in that way. Smartmatic. Pulling for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, I hope. I hope that they continue to have to answer for their harmful, um, unethical, not journalistic integrity, <laughs> anti-journalistic yeah. integrity behavior. Yeah, I hope the money goes to something good that they did. Yeah, get, you know, like fighting against election inequities. Uh, yeah, let's hope. <laughs> Who knows? But. Yeah. Um, then, uh, before we just dive into um, our main topic, I also just wanted to call out that there continues to be more revelations about Clar- Justice Clarence Thomas and his um, deep ties to the Texas billionaire Harlan Crow um, and all of these like financial links that he has. Like, none of them have been disclosed <laughs> at any time. At any time. Um, And of course, he did know that he needed to disclose that, um, disclose all these relationships and all these different gifts that he was receiving. He was receiving, in addition to all the vacations, he was also like conducting real estate deals with this man. He sold real estate to him. Um, Clarence Thomas sold real estate to Harlan Crow. And then also uh, Thomas's mother occupied a property that uh, Harlan Crow owned. So there are a number of like concrete ethics laws that um, Clarence Thomas has violated. Um, This has all come out in the last couple of weeks through reporting from ProPublica. Thank you, ProPublica. Um, So yeah, um, just like calling that out. Also last week we did talk about the, in addition to everything else, like Harlan Crow has um, Nazi memorabilia. He appears to be a collector of that and some like Americana antebellum stuff, you know, slavery stuff. So bad, 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 bad. <laughs> like bad covering, like running the gamut. So uh, I just I just want to kind of like mm, stay on top of just how horrible this guy is. And I'm hoping that uh, there are ethics investigations forthcoming. But on that note, and I <laughs> because we're doing a different we see you and we're sort of restructuring, I will just say that one of my we see you's once again was actually going to be Senator Dianne Feinstein. I know, I know, you guys, but just hear me out here. So Dianne Feinstein is on the Senate Judiciary Committee, and she, because she is not there right now, she is absent for a long period of time, Democrats can't issue subpoenas as part of the Clarence Thomas inquiry because that requires a majority on the panel, and Democrats do not have it. So they are unable to, like, actually conduct 
meaningful ethics investigations and and get subpoenas, Senate fucking Judiciary Committee is unable to do its fucking job because Senator Dianne Feinstein won't just call it quits and retire. Um, so this is just, I just want to, I mean, this is extremely important. She holds, she holds so much responsibility. Um, and being a Senator is a privilege and she is no longer able to carry out those duties consistently or competently. And so like, Oh my God, this woman needs to retire. It's such a problem. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not no, actually, I'm not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds harsh. It sounds harsh, but it's because I, I, I'm so frustrated that we are unable, like Democrats are unable to do just even the small things that we could generally be able to do having a 50, like a slim majority in the Senate for this brief moment. We can't confirm judges. So that's how we get judges who are saying like getting rid of Mifeprostone. We can't do, we can't even get subpoenas for Clarence Thomas. Like we can't do shit. And it's because right at this moment, like Diane Feinstein has too much pride and her aides have too much power. Yeah. Um, I agree. I, I mean, on one hand, it's like we, I mean, both on the same hand, really, but we shouldn't be, something's broken if we're relying on her to be there to be able to get these things done. Um, like, we shouldn't have to rely on, on Diane. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do, and she's got to say farewell, retirement time someone who's able to fulfill the duties of this job um, can do it now, you know, you know, but ideally yeah. there would be enough people in there with like common sense and decency that we wouldn't be relying on this one person, you know, but yeah, here we are 2023 and we're supposed to be grateful for Diane. I mean, no disrespect <laughs> to her and her life, but currently but disrespect to the choices she's making right now. Disrespect. Yeah. <laughs> no respect for that. There's no respect. Yeah. I'm out of patience, man. <laughs> yeah. And if Get she's the if hell she has, out like, of there. I don't know, if she has like <laughs> legit cognitive issues that are preventing her from making that call, then like someone needs to. Someone's yeah. responsible here. <laughs> her aides need to step up and say, this is at this point, we need to say, this is not, we're not able to do this. We can't, you know, in any good conscience, keep up this charade that she's making decisions. Like she is unfortunately, and it is unfortunate, like she is unfortunately, you know, she's impaired. She's, she's, she's suffering dementia. She's, she is suffering. And, and unfortunately, you know, like, it's not like anyone takes any pleasure in this type of situation, but you're supposed to be representing like 40 million people or something like that. I mean, this is an incredibly sobering and important job with a lot of power. So there needs to be like a, I mean, we just need so many different guardrails for these situations because it's absolutely batshit that this keeps there, there keep being things like this where it's like, well, we just can't add anyone. We can't do anything. We can't do anything. We're just like waiting for her to retire on of her own volition. Like there have to be guardrails because these roles are too important for us to just be stuck in a, like in this sort of like paralysis while it works its way out. <laughs> like it's such an unhealthy 
system. I concur. <laughs> <laughs> this went from Clarence Thomas to Dan Diane Feinstein, but man, it is really bothering me. Really bothering me. It's frustrating in a number of ways. Yeah. 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 Speaking of frustrating in a number of ways, <laughs> should we talk about David? Yeah, we should. So David Cho, um, he most people know him recently from Beef, um, which is an amazing show. And now I have like conflicted feelings, and we'll talk about that. And mm-hmm. you know what? Uh, who's responsible for for what there? Um, but David Cho in 2014. So first of all, the name of the podcast. Yeah. On oh his <laughs> on his podcast DVD ASA, which stands for Double Vag, Double Anal Sensitive Artist. I all right. Okay. Like, all right. What else? Like what 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 are you gonna tell me? Um so I guess on this podcast, he David Cho told a story about forcing his like a massage therapist to watch him masturbate and hold his penis and perform oral sex on him. Um, and his co-host, she said like he was basically admitted to rape. Um, and he was kind of like, yeah, like shrugging it off. Um, because he was saying that like, she didn't say no, but she didn't want to do it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like around a month after that happened, it was Melissa Statton, uh, who's a journalist, kind of called him out for it. And then he, like, did this apology where he said that he made up the story, like, it wasn't a true story, and that um, his mission as an artist and a storyteller is to challenge his friends and listeners with dark, tasteless ideas. And I'm just, like, when they when people say, like, I'm challenging the idea, how? Like, how is, what do you, explain to me, David. Mm-hmm what your what how because it wasn't like he told this awful story and then like the end of that episode wasn't like oh that didn't actually happen did you think that was a cool story a funny story like here's why that's fucked you know it's not like right he didn't talk about it again until he was called out for it and then he was saying it was to challenge listeners with his ideas and he Mm. was also like i hate that i'm I hate that I could be ever called a rapist. I think rapists are gross and they should be like raped and murdered. And I'm like, no, that doesn't make me think you didn't do it. Like, (laughs) They should rape those people. Uh, Like like you. uh, Buddy. (laughs) There's no raping. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, I just hate that the defense of it's like, oh no, it's the you don't understand. It was the art. You don't you don't understand. You don't mm-hmm. understand. Um, like no, that doesn't that doesn't track. You can't just say that and then do it like as apology for like anything you've done. You can't be like, oh, it was an art project. You know, mm-hmm. that didn't really happen. My art. You know, there's my art again. <laughs> like, I feel like this trip. <laughs> This one triggered me. Um, I mean, not to overuse the term because it didn't like trigger trigger me. It just it, it I've been thinking about it a lot because it it did 
sort of get under my skin, kind of in a similar way as the Aziz Ansari situation. Um, because it's described in a way that is so um, relatable. Like, I know that he's not he's not lying not only because he literally brags about it, but, like, because of exactly what he describes, um, I feel like I've experienced, a ver- like, a version of that. Um, not totally non-consensual, but, like, not enthusiastic, but just kind of soft-pressured into, like, kind of exactly that scenario. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's – the way he describes it is so exactly how that – plays out so often the like he he tells it like sorry to you know get a little graphic but kind of what he he describes and what you know I find very believable is like that whole like starts a little bit slower like you're putting her hand where she doesn't want it and then you're like do this and then do that and then when you're like well just blow on it or just kiss it and just like spit on it and then it's like and then you shove her face there it's like that's First of all, that's assault. That's rape. That's sort of, that's, you know, but it's also like you, you know, it was 2014 or 2013. You didn't necessarily, um, we certainly had a different, it's crazy how much changed between 2013, 14 and like 2017 with me too, um, or 2017, 18, but like it was a really meaningful difference in time but I was also thinking just in terms of like reflecting that like 20 it's 2023 and 2013 was like a tough year for me Mm -hmm. in terms of lots of stuff and um it's almost a 10 years to the day since like someone who I thought was a friend like totally you know sexually assaulted me and I I was just reflecting finding the um flower. I'm so glad I took a picture of the flowers that he sent me, the card. Uh. You know, because and I'm just going to like because I'm just going to I just kind of want to this is so the card that he sent me and you can see it's like from 1800flowers.com. Great. <laughs> Um, he said, I hope that this little offering can help show how truly sorry I am, Maria, for hurting and betraying you. P.S. These flowers can be considered beautiful, but they truly pale in comparison to you, Mona Me. <laughs> um, uh. Yeah. So, um, you know, and I won't get into the whole scenario, but it was deeply upsetting to me and something that I had a really hard time navigating because, like, I wanted to be careful of the friend group and I didn't want to, like – mess up everything and I thought like well maybe we can still be friends if I just like seriously talk to him about it and anyway but then you know there was a slow burn where I gradually like realized no I never want to be in this person's presence again and he makes me uncomfortable and I'm not I refuse to do this um and like trying to set those boundaries for myself in 2013-14 was really difficult um but so this all kind of comes back to David show because I, uh, I, there's this similar type of behavior, um, and the sort of joking quote rapey behavior, like that was sort of like, I, that was, that does feel very 2013, 2014 in a way. Like I, I, I understand why he got away with 
fucking bragging about this on a podcast with video, everything attached to it. Um, but I think it doesn't make it any less like atrocious and it brings it, it makes it so appalling that like Netflix and Ali Wong and, and Steven Yun and everyone who was a part of this, this who's, who poured their heart and soul into this show, which I've heard is really good and I really wanted to watch. No one has spoken out about this yet. It's been, I think, two, two or three business days that, since this news has dropped. And this is, I'm sorry, this has been a bit of a ramble, but like it, it does, this is another parallel to Aziz Ansari where like I really respected Aziz Ansari and his like work and his show and his book. Like I was a, I was a fan and I thought surely he would say something when the allegations came out against him about a learning moment and it, you know, all this stuff. He never did. He got defensive. He hunkered down and got like super defensive. Well, I went to Ali Wong's Twitter and she made it her Twitter private. Now I, and there hasn't been anything from her, um, a comedian who I super respect. I'm, I don't think it's her responsibility that like, of course it's not her responsibility to answer for him or to like, it's not, she's not responsible for David Cho's actions, but she's a, like a public figure, the head, one of the heads of this show that she hired David Cho. There's documentation for a bit now that she's friends with him and same with Steven Yun. Like I'm willing to accept that she did not know about this. I'm willing to like give everyone the benefit of the doubt that they didn't know that this about this incident. But now that you do know, you are responsible for saying something. Yeah. I think that's kind of the moral imperative there and it's yeah I'm disappointed because I would have expected Ali and Steven to just have like come forth with like genuine statements and not make me think about whether they have to make statements you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like it's like no I don't think they have to but I think but them not doing it makes me sad and makes me respect them a little bit less you know mm-hmm. not that they're vying for my <laughs> respect um but yeah it's not like an obligation but it is I think the right thing to do yeah um because yeah like the way he describes it like like you said 2014 was the time Ugh, we were in our early 20s um late teens can we no, early twins. Yeah, Wait, no, we were teens. in our early twins. Yeah. 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 Um, I was at least 2013, 23. I was 23, 24. Yeah. I mean, I was, in 2012, I gradu- we graduated. So I was 21. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> calendars, neither here nor there. Um, no, it was a particularly rough time um, mm-hmm. <laughs> being out there. And I, uh, plenty of stories come to my mind um but it's I just remember then and early like 2008 um just a lot of the humor was very like the punchline was like you raping her you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they weren't like meta humor I like it was just like oh this is funny that's funny that's a funny mm-hmm. joke um and yeah, like rape and sexual assault were not taken seriously 99% of the time. Yeah. You know, um, 
and now it's still I mean it's not great <laughs> there's yeah. still terrible shit and there's backlash to me too but I do agree that like there was a shift in what like you could just say and do without someone <laughs> trying to hold you accountable yeah you know to some extent um but then the fucking the copyright yes shit where like this clip was circulating from the podcast and then david cho sends out like basically like a cease and desist type thing um copyright infringement for the people that posted his um uh, clip and called it out um and they had to take it down yeah which is also like a fucked up precedent um yeah, their their shit got taken down. Their accounts got um for some time for some of them their accounts got suspended. Yeah. He filed just... a digital millennial millennium copyright act takedown request and he had to mm-hmm. sign it to get it removed from Twitter. So that's the way that he's responding to his old behavior, as if we're all gonna just forget. Yeah, and it's like and the thing, you know. And everyone did forget before when it came up and then he apologized without apologizing. Um, and then carried on. But now he come, there's this sort of like resurgence he's having in the public eye and people are looking at it a little differently now. Um, it was always shitty. Mm-hmm. It's not the woke police. <laughs> you know, like if, if you're, you know, awoke. It mm-hmm. means that you were asleep, you know? Yep. So whatever. But uh, <laughs> yep. either way, it's very, like, he's not doing himself any favors um, by doing that. And it's scary to think that, that that you can just, if you don't like what someone's saying about you, um, when what that something is, is like sharing something that you said. You right. Know? Um having them punished for it not even just like having it taken down but having like accounts suspended like either way is fucked up but i feel like going the extra step to silencing that person altogether oh mm. it's cowardly it's suspicious it's totally guilty but it just also speaks to i think like poor character ultimately mm-hmm. like if you were i think someone of higher character and you i guess I can't I don't know how you're of high character character and you're like making like rape jokes or like joking about rape in this way mm-hmm. like so they don't really square immediately but say that you are of high character like you would think that someone would then look at these jokes from 2014 and be horrified like I mean this is not at all the same thing but Bo Burnham is like haunted by his early jokes and youtube videos that he put out when he was like fucking 13 and he was trying to make jokes and some of them came off homophobic or like homophobic adjacent um Mm -hmm. and he is like mortified by himself and it like is a part of him trying to like atone as an adult for things that he did as a you know as a 13 year old boy um on the internet and this is an adult man and was at the time and what he was saying and doing is like in my mind like just a lot worse because it's like a huge it's like an open fucking crime um that he's laughing about and admitting to um 
and uh, also he's an adult. Uh, he was an adult when he was making these jokes. So I, I guess it's just like, he's not sorry. He's just sorry that he's getting called out. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like, even with him having been an adult and how awful the things he said were, if he had a real, like, a real apology, real growth, real reflection, like, admitting, I mean, that would start with admitting how fucked up it was, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Then it's, you know, I'm not here to say that no, I'm sure there have been things I've said in my life where I didn't realize what I was saying, you know, or I didn't realize, like, why it was fucked up. Um, and you know I believe like we all have the potential for growth and and all that shit but like he's not saying like hey this is why it was fucked up this is why I did you know this is what I've learned this is how I'm gonna not do it you know it's like no he's just hiding from it um yeah and he can't really do that um so I I don't know. Yeah, I wish that people would have come, you know, Ali Wong and Steven would have come forward. Um, I'm not like over them for life, you know what I mean? No. Like I'm just like a little disappointed because I thought like think so highly of them. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like there's a lot of celebrities and stuff I don't really have any expectations for. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's not really fair to put expectations on people I've never met, but mm-hmm. I have, and um, and it's sad when like you know, like if I found out Tom Hanks like kicked a puppy, I'd be like, "Jeez, yeah, <laughs> jeez, <laughs> yeah." Which I guess that's yeah. I, I was gonna say that's worse to kick a puppy, um, but then it's like, well, I don't know. I don't want to debate what's worse because they're both terrible. <laughs> you set that like, up here. God. I'm just like in my head I'm like mm. well they're both how about they're both just like really bad because they're hurting people who are vulnerable um there's like another element to this which is that he specifies that it's a half black um woman mm-hmm. which makes it like there's this whole conversation online about um Asian black solidarity and like uh, yeah, so it's, it's not it's not a conversation that I feel I I have any right to participate in, but it is you know something where it's sort of absolutely fair that he I mean he brought it up, so people are are saying you know there's a, there's a conversation that's going um, on around like how misogynoir that um, that is and and how prevalent that is, so it's you know. <laughs> He opened himself yeah. up like it's a huge cell phone. I mean, come on. Like, yeah, there's just there are many like fucked up layers to this whole this whole thing. And he just looks worse by hiding and not owning it and silencing people on the Internet who are just putting his words out there, you know? Yeah. Like there's um, Shannon Miller tweeted uh, yesterday or the day before, actually, she said, as time ticks on, you can no longer say Beef's success is being tanked by one man. It's being decimated by a collective hell bent on protecting him. It's stars and creators, his friends. It's insidious and a shame of the highest order. Um, and I do think it's like, you know, it could just be one man's mis- one man's like grotesque behavior and words that um, are addressed and then we all move on with our lives. But like the protection, this sort of closing ranks around him is incredibly um, disappointing. 
and like you said, like I'm not, I'll probably, I'm, I'm still a fan of Ali Wong's and Stephen Yun's and, um, I'm just disappointed. Like you say, I hold them in very high esteem and I, um, well, I certainly don't think they're required. They don't have to do anything. I was really hoping for, um, them to speak out and um, their silence is really disappointing. Yeah, it's, you know, sexual assault is something that affects so many people, both of us. I feel, I'm trying <laughs> to think of a single one of my friends that does it, you know, like, yeah. And it's really, it, it really hurts and it can be really gutting when you, when people that you believe in, you feel like aren't standing up against that, you know, because yeah. like you know what it, you know what, what that feels like. So, yeah. That's why we're, our feelings are just hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not just that. We're also angry, but, you know. <laughs> but my feelings are also hurt, I think. They're hurt. They're hurt. And, you know, sometimes and these things do send us back into places where we think about what was happening for us in 2013, 2014, and what was happening for people we knew and how, like, you know, yeah. And so it, when people have big reactions to these things, like, just know there's usually, there's a lot under the surface that are, you know, that informs responses to this type of fucked up story. So, yep. Hmm. Well, (laughs) so fun. Should we move on to our ginormous we see you? Yeah, we were going to do, I I was going to do a quick Missouri moment. Oh, yes. Do a Missouri moment. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Before we get into the rest of our we see you chunk, wanted to flag what's going on in Missouri. Um, As we know, there are anti-trans bills being brought forth, being passed, being implemented all over the country. Um, And the worst is now in Missouri. Um, So an emergency regulation from their state attorney general, Andrew Bailey, um, was put forth and it's basically going to make it borderline impossible um conservatively very difficult for patients who are trans to receive like any kind of gender affirming care um regard like and there have been a lot of attacks against trans kids under the the veil of protecting kids even though that's like their opposites um this also includes trans adults um it affects everyone um, trans individuals of all ages and starting next week it's going to be considered quote an unfair deceptive fraudulent or otherwise unlawful practice for doctors and healthcare providers in Missouri to provide gender affirming care um, unless they force their pa- their patients to basically like jump through all these hoops when I say jump through all these hoops I'm not talking about like oh there's a couple forms and even that like no it's one, the patients would have to have a medically documented history of gender dysphoria for the last three years. So one, that means you've had to have had access to, you know, a healthcare provider you trust within the last three years or yeah, last three years or earlier. Um, and not everyone has that. And then even if you do have this like medically documented um, history of gender dysphoria for at least three years, they require that you go under 
um, at least 15 hourly sessions um, over the course of a year and a half to quote unquote, explore the developmental influences on the patient's current gender identity and to determine among other things, whether the person has any mental health comorbidities. Mm -hmm. Um, So one, the cost of that alone, even if you have private health insurance, um, that kind of shit's really expensive. Um, So it's cost prohibitive. And even if you go to all of these these sessions, you've met the the three-year rule, you have to have your um, existing mental health comorbidities have have to have been treated and resolved before you can receive the care, which means Mm. if you have depression or anxiety and it's not resolved, you can't get your gender-affirming care, which is just like the most fucking ridiculous thing in the world because not receiving gender affirming care leads to gender dysphoria which okay anxiety and depression like Mm -hmm. it's so on its face like evil and fucked up Mm -hmm. um so they're like oh no it's not like illegal for trans individuals to receive gender affirming care but like when you look at all of these loops they have to go through um some of like Mm -hmm. When if you need gender affirming care, you likely have gender dysphoria without it and you're going to have depression and or anxiety. And they're saying, Ugh, it's yeah. just so fucking snaky. It's gross and disappointing, um, to say the least. Yeah. And so. probably will be replicated in a whole bunch of states now that Missouri's done it. I know. I hope not. I mean, like, I don't know what we're going to have to do, like, as humans in this country to stop this Mm -hmm. from you know i find it particularly difficult like being in different living somewhere different from where it's happening because it's Mm -hmm. like you know i can call their local elected officials but like if you're not a constituent your voice isn't necessarily impactful um so i you know donating is is one of the only ways i feel like and like speaking out for you know, civil rights for people. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But I wish I had more, I wish I could donate more, Do you know? Yeah. Um, because this is really, really scary and something to keep an eye on mm-hmm. closely and try to find opportunities to help. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. It's, really disappointing and feels like just um, kind of getting worse by the day in terms of the legislation that's successfully being passed. Um, so, yeah, yeah, very regressive. Very yeah, regressive. Very brazen. Very brazen. Yeah. Yep. Brazen. Name of the game from reproductive rights to trans rights to, you know, just just bad. Bad, bad, bad. Um, okay. Speaking of bad, and brazen. <laughs> um, there have been a lot of shootings recently of unarmed, innocent people who have made a mistake and gone to the wrong house, wrong driveway, wrong car, and they've been shot. And in two out of the three cases, someone was killed. Um, yeah. We're talking about Ralph Yarl, a 16-year-old in Kansas City, Missouri, um, who was shot and wounded by a homeowner um, after he went to the wrong house to pick up his younger siblings. Um, he was shot in the head and twice. 
um, by 84-year-old asshole and attempted murderer, Andrew D. Lester, um, who is now thankfully in custody, although he was initially released. Um, but yeah, now he is back in custody and um, is charged, I think, on first degree assault and armed criminal action. Um, so that's the first one. The second one is in Hebron, New York, um, where Kaylin Gillis was shot and killed as she and her friends were driving driving in two cars and a motorcycle. Mistakenly, they drove up the wrong driveway looking for a friend's house. And this fucking asshole man shot into the car and killed her. Um, and another of her friends is in, I think, critical condition. Um, and then the last one, which I hadn't even heard about until you just told me, were two Texas teenagers who were getting out of one car and into another after um, practice, I think it was. They were transferring rides, and she got into a car thinking it was hers, but there was a stranger in the passenger seat. She panicked, got back into her friend's car, but the man got out of his vehicle and just pulled out a gun and started shooting. Yeah. America. Here we, you know, we talk about mass shootings, um, but there are also the, <laughs> these fucking shootings. Um, this Ralph Yarl, the first, the first one that you were talking about, um, this 16 year old black kid shot by this 84 year old white man. Um, Ralph, he was going to pick up his younger siblings. Like, like the address was, like 118 some street name and he was at 118 a different street name whatever he didn't even he didn't he wasn't even in the house he was just outside had either knocked or rang the doorbell he was literally shot through the storm door the storm door he didn't even open um shot him twice including in the head and somehow he's you know he's still alive and he's um he still has like a long road to go he is um at home now which i was really i mean happy isn't the right word because this is such a fucked up situation but i was really glad to hear that um he's it sounds like going to be okay i mean from at least physically Mm -hmm. i can't imagine like the lifelong um trauma that you would go through after something like this but this fucking Mm-hmm. old white man who shot him um so that he was scared to death by um by his size and felt like he didn't have an ability to defend himself mm-hmm. um you shot him through one door after opening another door you inability to defend yourself you had a gun mm-hmm. you didn't need to respond by shooting someone twice um this kid like so obviously racially motivated um yeah unbelievable and the the young woman who was shot turning around the driveway like shoot yeah with her friends just like how many times have you in your life just been like oh i need to turn around you know Mm -hmm. pull in pull out 
and you go about your business um he just fucking shot and killed this 20 year old girl like these two, yeah in the parking lot like what yeah how mm. we call other countries more dangerous for so much less yeah, I mean, we have this whole language around stand your ground that I think emboldens these type of men who also, by the way, I think benefit from just like people kind of giving them the okay to be like crotchety and antisocial. And like, you know, there are all these kind of like words that I mean also are parallel with like could be a murderer will shoot you if you make a mistake and come down their driveway Mm -hmm. if you miss the sign that says private property or something like missing the sign that says private property is not a reason to get shot immediately like we need to like not have this be uh, it, it, it cannot be acceptable. And, and I think this is part of the problem with all the stand your ground, the language around it is there's just this implication that there's unending leeway to shoot and kill someone who even steps onto your property for any reason whatsoever. And that is flawed. Yeah, very flawed. Um, like uh, the way... I've seen the stand your ground be used. It's just, it's so often, so obviously so far from necessary and oftentimes actually antagonistic. Um, It's almost like a loophole. I feel it's like a loophole to just murder somebody often motivated by racism and, or like just anger issues or being, a shitbag of a person, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we uh, gun control? Like, can we... How many things need to happen mm-hmm. in this fucking country? It's... It's like, scary. Kids have to be shot at school or going to pick up their siblings. Like, it's it's so, so scary. Yeah, you never know, like, which neighbor or which homeowner is just going to be, like, just looking to shoot someone, like, spoiling for a fight, spoiling for an excuse to show that they needed to buy that gun. Um, Yeah, like, just trigger-happy, dangerous people. I mean, we have to start constructing laws that um, force people... (laughs) Like to stay in their lane and not take out the gun. Like, you know, I, I'm, I understand it's a scary world and I have some degree of sympathy for people wanting to be able to protect themselves. But I, you have to actually be in some sort of danger with like someone actually coming into your home. Sorry, but like that <laughs> kind of has to be at a minimum, what we're talking about for you to take out a gun and point it at someone's body and kill them. Yeah. And like warn them first. (laughs) Get out. I have a gun. Yeah. If it's really like a a home invasion type situation. Right. Um, If they enter and are coming towards you with a weapon. Right. Um, But so often we, yeah. We hear very different stories, um, and it's yeah. We we need less 
means and ways for people to murder other people with guns. Uh, yeah. Here, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. any, any good things on your end? Um, <laughs> no. I've, I've got a little bitty one. Well, it's you not do? bitty. It's, it's good, but it's just like tied in. So, um, in there's some local governments, um, for instance, in the city of Toledo, um, who are using federal COVID recovery funds from the American Rescue Plan Act to um, pay off medical debt of their residents. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on one hand, it's fucked up that medical debt is a thing in the world at the fuck all. It's, yep. Ugh, don't get don't get me started, but um, yep. it is nice to see COVID relief funds being used for that. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, a very literal application. Um, mm-hmm. But it's so many people got racked with such high medical bills um, from COVID, so shouldn't exist in the first place, but. I'm glad that in some places their local government is helping. Yeah, um, me too. I love when there's like <laughs> when there's a good thing that's like really wrapped in like a bad mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, turducken. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, that sounds like a good. That's a good thing. You know, well, I'll take the good bit of that, and I'll uh, take it. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. Um, and I think, yeah, that probably wraps up for us today. Feminist Without Mystique is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Bye. Bye.